Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I was surprised by these numbers. I mean, I wasn't overly surprised. I was surprised that they were this high. Because a study now reveals 4,000, and these are government numbers, 4,000 Canadians have died from opiate use, in specific overdoses in the year of 2017. And that is is a huge spike. That is up 3,000 from 2016. And 72% of those deaths are because of fentanyl use. And overwhelmingly, it is men who are dying, aged 30 to 39. BC remains the hardest hit, but it's followed by Ontario. And now the feds say that they're going to step up. Finally, again, we've got reactive governments who have been waiting and studying and watching. And now they say they're going to severely restrict the way drug companies market opiates to doctors. Well, it's about darn time. Let's bring in Lee Chapman because she works directly with those who are addicted. She works in a safe injection uh, site and is a nurse. And this is very personal to her because she lost her brother, Brad, a few years ago to an overdose. Hi there, Lee. Hi there, Alex. Thanks for having me. What is your reaction? You know, you've got this personal connection. So you knew um, through your brother that this, you know, these opiates were a real killer, but what's your reaction to seeing the numbers spike that quickly in just a year? Uh, I mean, it's devastating. It was, it was predicted, but it just to have it, have those numbers confirmed, it's just so heartbreaking. I mean, Brad died in 2015. And so at that time, um, those, the, we weren't counting (laughs) the deaths from opiates. We just started counting them nationally in uh in 2016 and you know we still it's midway through 2018 and we don't have the numbers but by all accounts it's going to be higher than 4000 i mean it's just it's just unfathomable well it's not even that you had the you didn't have governments that would listen to the point where i think you and your colleagues said you know what to hell with this we're going to do this on our own and you set up proactively safe injection sites out in public because the governments on all levels were literally just ignoring this issue yeah, I mean, we set up Ontario's first overdose prevention site illegally um, in a tent in Moss Park in Toronto. And here we are, you know, almost 11 months in, still operating. And there's multiple, you know, there's other overdose mm-hmm. prevention sites in the city. The supervised injection site opened much quicker than anticipated because of our action. And, uh, you know, but we it was, it was a risky maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, we risked arrest. And um, we also didn't know if people would come. And, 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 you know, by and large, the community, Moss Park is sort of an epicenter of the epicenter of drug use in Toronto. And uh, it and people just were so astounded that we were showing up for them, that we had snacks and water and, you know, um, people who were like living, literally living in the park, um, you know, couldn't believe that day after day we were volunteering and showing up for them over the holidays. We were, you know, we were kept showing up and we were there for them and were recently successful and got um, provincial funding to to move indoors. So that's hap- that move is happening soon. Good. Well, l- we'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes, but I want to get your thoughts as to why is it 
that we are seeing men 30 to 39 who are most at risk? Yeah, I mean, that is, that's, that is devastating. It, um, it's particularly dev- devastating. I think, you know, one thing that, you know, people use drugs for lots of reasons. And um, I think, you know, generally, like men, men can experience violence and trauma and all of those things, both, both you know, men and women can, can, uh, can certainly fall prey to that. I think, you know, men have a tendency to perhaps engage in more risk-taking behavior. Um, and they're, they're often, men will often use alone. We know that women are often reliant on a partner mm-hmm. um, to use with, with somebody and, and often rely on the partner for even help with injecting. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, these people in their prime, in their productive years, my brother was 43. He had three children mm-hmm. uh, and a grandson. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of these men have experienced all kinds of trauma. They perhaps are engaging in risk-taking behavior and getting sort of in too deep um, and unable to, to get help. Not um, to mention, before. you know, fentanyl, if they buy the wrong batch, I mean, and they get a little bit too much of fentanyl, then they're in mm-hmm. real trouble. So it can be as accidental as... Uh, uh, you know, just completely by surprise. But what's your um your thought then uh, of the way the feds want to step into this, which is to severely restrict drug companies and the way they market opiates to doctors? To me, that that doesn't necessarily that's not going to solve the issue. And that to me yeah. is like ten steps back. They should be way <laughs> further ahead because people who are are doing this generally are probably getting them from the street. Absolutely. I mean, this is you're absolutely right. Like restricting prescriptions is actually, you know, a problem that's decades old. That's, you know, the problem now is really the illicit supply. And so to address illicit supply, um, you know, meaning people are being poisoned, but whatever they're buying, you know, and bootleg drugs um, on the street, we need to actually provide them with safer alternatives. And that's really, you know, part and extension of harm reduction um, by decreasing the criminalization of the drugs and, you know, the criminalization of people who use the drugs, providing them with a safer alternative. Um, and that means, you know, access to prescription hydromorphone, access to prescription heroin. People would, you know, go in several times a day if they're already IV drug users. It's not for everyone. It's not a free-for-all. <laughs> it's, a, it's a regulated supply. Um, and, and, you know, those are people engaging with health care resources and harm reduction workers several times a day. Yeah, I mean, look um, how hard it was just to get a naloxin uh, kit put into ambulances and police. I mean, the fact that we had to wait this long to get them in tells you that the government hasn't a clue um, how to deal with this. And so in walks a guy like Doug Ford, who has a very personal connection to drug use, given his mm-hmm. brother's um, um, history. He has said he does not like injection sites. I am not a fan of injection sites. If we have them, I'm of the mind that I would like them by a hospital. And I'd also like people to go in and have treatment and, and be able to actually get the help they need. And that's where I think the funding needs to go. Where are you at now that we've got a new government in and we're looking at the bigger picture? I mean, I think, you know, it's terrifying to have an anti-harm reduction premier, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, at, in the midst of the worst um, epidemic of our generation. It, it, it's absolutely terrifying. And, and um, you know, in particular, his... his um, his view on supervised injection sites, they're not the, the, the answer. They're one part of the solution um, to this. Treatment is also, you know, a part of the solution. But ultimately, you know, we can't, 
if, if people can't actually access treatment, if they're, they're, they're dying before they get in, they're on waiting lists, they can't afford it, there's no, you know, there's their abstinence-based treatment programs, which often don't work for people who are using opiates. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things need to be, be really looked at. And, 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 you know, treatment is certainly one of the pillars. Um, but um, I, I think unless we're actually keeping people alive in order to live another day and contemplate their life choices, then, you know, we can't even talk about treatment. So it really is terrifying um, to live, you know, with an anti-harm reduction premier in you know, kind of waiting with bated breath to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think I think it'll play out um, differently than I think has been uh, portrayed. I just can't imagine them disappearing altogether. I just think there would be too much of an outcry. But nonetheless, uh, I know you guys have fought hard for that. And um, certainly with the numbers that we are seeing, it's been a wake-up call, I think, to a few people who are uh, apparently running the show. And maybe they'll wake up now. I appreciate you joining me. I hope so. Yeah, thank, thanks very much for having me. Lee, we'll have you on again. Thank you. Okay, thanks. That is Lee Chapman, who um, works in the industry, helps people every day, um, has gone through loss because of opiate overdose, you know, losing a brother. So she has a personal hand in this. Um, And I don't inevitably think I don't see Doug Ford just going in and shutting these things down. I just don't see that happening. I would like to see any mental health spending that we have on actually getting people money to go into programs. And that's the direction I hope that they go. Otherwise, starting to put these sites by hospitals, which would make more sense. Nonetheless, we'll, uh, we'll continue the conversation because the numbers are not going the right direction at this point. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson, and this is Global News Radio.